Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. It's time once again for Jason Zinneman, the comedy critic for the New York Times, to sit down with me as we deconstruct the year that was. This time we're taking our best cracks at 2021. Was anyone bigger in comedy than Dave Chappelle? Was anyone better than Bo Burnham? We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of everything in comedy worth talking about in 2021. Was there a most valuable performer in comedy this year? What does it even mean to be an MVP in comedy? Jason and I hash it all out, and through our differences, we find some common ground. It's the only year-in-review comedy podcast you need to listen to, so listen up! If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Jason Zinneman, here we are once again for our year-end discussion of the most valuable performers of comedy. 2021 edition. What a year. What a year. <laughs> My God. We made it, Sean. We made it. We made it to the end. It's, it's good to be here. It's always a pleasure to be on the, uh, this, this, this beloved annual tradition. So, so year two of the pandemic, uh, somehow comedy is still with us. I feel like the year in some ways is harder to remember than the previous year. Like last year, in 2020, it was, everyone knows March, March was the, the before and after March. Um, and uh, this year, I feel like there was, there was, it was more things happened, but generally, but it is worth noting that like, Things did come back. Everything did come back. Live comedy did return. All, all the venues. And of course, at the end of the year, many of them closed and canceled. Um, <laughs> but, right. It felt like it felt like 2021 was the year of the online comedian, the front face, the front facing selfie camera comedian. And yet 2021 was not the year of TikTok. 2021 was just a hodgepodge of craziness. So I can I can definitively say who was not the comedy MVP of 2021. It's a tie. The least valuable, the least valuable performers. It's a tie. Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. Whoa, whoa. Why, why is that? <laughs> they were they were probably the two the two biggest people in comedy who did the least to move comedy forward. Well, all right. That's, that, that's a strong take. That's a strong take. I don't, I don't disagree, but that's uh, I'm, but, but I mean, it is a weird thing. Like in some ways, if this goes back to the definition, your def, the definition of MVP. Right. right. I mean, if, if it's like impact, there's no getting around that, that, that there's nothing that everyone talked about more than Dave Chappelle special. I, trust me, none, I, I, I'm not happy about it either, but but it, it like it made a massive it was it was the biggest conversation piece of the year. Look, Jason, this is not Time magazine. We don't 
<laughs> we don't we don't name <laughs> numbnuts like Elon Musk person of the year or Adolf Hitler person of the year just because they made a big impact. If the impact is bad, that's not good. So that, that is okay. Okay. We're, we're here to talk about like the the most valuable performer is a good is making a good impact in comedy, not trying to tear everybody apart. So I can't I can't nominate Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I do not think Adolf Hitler was. <laughs> Did Adolf Hitler do anything new in comedy in twenty twenty one? He's always he's always relevant in comedy. He, Elon Musk tried to do things. Elon Musk hosted Saturday Night Live. Was that this year? Christ. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that was, was this, this year. year. That was this year. So who? So who do you think? Did, let, let, let's 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 ask the reverse. Who did worse for the world, uh, Sean uh, Chappelle or Rogan? Hmm. I think I think it would have to be Rogan. Yeah, I, I think because of because of the uh, megaphone that he has and the way that he used it throughout the year, he <laughs> when you have when you have a, 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 a an MV, an actual MVP of the NFL and Aaron Rodgers saying that you're getting your medical advice from Joe Rogan, we have a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the the thing is, is like that he's infecting he's infecting all parts of our universe. Well, Rogan, I, I I think it's always this question of like, how serious do you take, you know, a comedian's bad joke, offensive joke? But Rogan, people really do look for 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 serious, and he really thinks of himself as like somebody has like tells you the stuff that the the world's not going to tell you. And um, I think he's a real you know, news source for people. And he's, he was really interested in uh, COVID and the treatments and the vaccines. And um, so, I mean, I agree with you that he, you know, he just con- in that constant irresponsible bullshit about the vaccine and about COVID Um that has nothing to do with like a, something that happened in a stand-up special, or right. The, the biggest problem I have with with people like Joe these days is that they try to have it both ways, right? They try to say, "Oh no, I'm just a comedian. Like I can't believe people are even listening to me." But then, please listen to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my biggest problem was, was when he's actually like. Don't I, I forgot what he said, but it was like when he was when he, when he was like, don't te- if I if I was talking to like a young person, I would tell them don't take the vaccine or something. There was something like the uh, um, where uh, it's like, why would you even? This isn't a joke. This isn't. This is like this is your and you know you get COVID, you have access to the most expensive treatments in the world um, that other people don't have access to, um, and. Um, yeah, it definitely makes a huge impact. I mean, I don't know. In, in a way, he's hardly even a figure from comedy. He's a figure in media at this point. Um, but, uh, but um, you know, yeah, th- those those are two good. Th- those are those are those are uh, not most viable players, I guess. No. So who? So now that I've ruled them out, and I've and I've told I've let you know we're not doing the Elon Musk 
Hitler. I'm, I'm disappointed. I think this is the, the the definition of this most valuable player shifts, but okay, I'll I'll go along with you. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is what is value? Like ve- like value ha- is a positive term, right? Or it is, but you, you've never made it like one of the best, you know, one of the best specials, one of the best. It's just loose enough mm-hmm. that you, which I like. I'm saying I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just right. saying that like um, uh, there, there are certain things that, uh, you know, I, I definitely felt this like when I, I, I have like a, a, I have to do like a best of comedy list and I don't like doing a top tens. Um, because I feel like the real purpose of these things is to look back at the year and to kind of market at what the, what the sort of significant moments were for our art form right. and that we cover. And, uh, so, so when I did mine, for instance, I was like, Chappelle didn't make any of my best, but I felt like I needed to mention him because he was tremendously significant. Um, no, he and- dominated the conversation dominated the conversation and you know there's even a part of me that you know even though what i thought his work was mediocre and repetitive and you know uh, didn't really deserve all of the attention or there are other things that i would have preferred you know i i don't feel the same way that i do about really like i like there i i don't feel like uh i feel like i'm always interested in what Chappelle's special is and there are moments in every Chappelle special that um I enjoy and I like the ambition of Chappelle, even when I think it's misguided. Now, there are moments on this new special that are, you know, just hard to swallow. I mean, they're really, t- I mean, I actually, it's interesting, like, which are, it's also interesting to see the reaction to, like, oh, like, the, obviously the trans jokes got the most, in some ways, the, the reaction to the Chappelle special tells you a lot about the culture and the pressure points and the culture of the moment, because, like, what got the most attention was the trans jokes but it was hardly the only group that he singled out and was offensive about i mean like <laughs> right like the uh the the me too stuff like barely caused a ripple in 2020 the anti-semitic things zip in fact i, I mean i saw uh brian Koppelman, the showrunner of billions be like i want to option space jews like it, it tells us something about the world and how people react. And he's clearly pushing buttons, Chappelle. He knows what he's doing, right? Right. And, and, and I mean, the, honestly, the, the part that I thought was, um, you know, rubbed me the, I, I, the part that bothered me the most was actually the, the end about the trans woman who died. Daphne. Yeah, yeah. Daphne Dornan, if I'm pronouncing her name right, which actually a lot of people liked that part and thought that humanized uh, him in a way. But I thought that there, there were, he had a line where he said, um, she's not part of the trans community. She's part of the comedian community. And, you, you know, that's not his place to say. That's not his place to say. And, and that, that's, a per, that's a real person who, who's not here to, to respond. And I know that she had positive things to say about him and her, and her family had positive, et cetera. But first of all, obviously you could be part of both of those communities. Um, and this is a person who just died. Um, and yeah, that's, that, that is just on a human level, a shitty thing to do. No, I, 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 yeah, I thought it was distasteful. Um, but he, he, he would win best comedy troll of the year. Yeah. He, because he was, like you said, he was pushing buttons. He knew exactly 
what he was doing. And he and once he pushed those buttons, he continued to do so throughout the year, releasing multiple clips to Instagram to kind of stoke the fire. Yes. No, he wants he wants. Obviously, he wants to be at this point in his career known as the guy who's causing controversy and is being shut down. I mean, I was I was at a party um, or at, at a small dinner party, I should say, now in the age of COVID, but the, that's the truth. It was, a, and uh, this was earlier. You're part the, of the elite who does this. Part, I was, and I bumped, I met somebody who's at Netflix mm-hmm. and um, he was, this was like after, um, it was part of the controversy, but he was saying, you know, Chappelle after the controversy said that uh, nobody would buy his documentary. So he's going to release it on his own. So the Netflix guy told me that like Chappelle was demanding like the highest price of any documentary or some like ridiculous price, right? Which like, so of course no, none of these streamers took it because they don't want to spend some preposterous, but then he can go out and say, they're shutting me down kids. And of course that's his, he's brilliant at this game at finding yeah. ways, even though he is incredibly wealthy and popular and successful to play the, uh, aggrieved victim and and you know victim of censorship etc. And so on that on that front, on some part of his like lizard brain that wants that, understood that this like trans issue is the perfect vehicle um, for that. And you you know you there, in some ways Joe Rogan is related to that. I mean he he people like Jordan Peterson made made their initial reputation on uh, on trans stuff, and Rogan certainly caused waves. So so. There is something interesting as a document about the Chappelle special where like it reveals something about kind of cultural pressure points. And I think like you can look back on like 2021 and that will be a key moment. Like, all right, where, what, what were the fights about? And, and there is something about works of art that can do that, that I appreciate, even if I dislike them. Right. Well, now that we've, now that we've gotten those big uh, elephants out of the, out of the way, who are who are the comedians who, in your mind, did the most good? Oh, geez, that's a horrible question, Sean. I don't care about if they do good. I want the uh, <laughs> <laughs> who who made. Um, uh, I uh, I mean, I thought this was uh, you know probably the biggest year for Bo Burnham. Um, inside, I mean, next next to Chappelle, probably the thing that got the most attention was Inside. Um, which, you know, I thought was one of a couple specials that were like created this new visual vocabulary for comedy specials. It was really cinematic um, and not to mention musical and um, and spoke to the anxiety and, you know, isolation of the pandemic as well as any other work of art has. Um, I think it's also worth adding that in this year, early this year, Chris Rock re-released a special, which he direct. He took Bo Burnham's work out of his, who directed a special. Right, and, Tambourine, yeah. And the work was, I would argue, worse, which also was to Bo Burnham's credit. I mean, he's still very good, <laughs> Chris Rock. But it was, an ex- it, to me, it revealed the what, by taking away what Bo Burnham did, it revealed the, his directorial choices, which I thought were very clever. So, and that combined with Inside makes him had a pretty, pretty good, darn good year. And don't forget, Bo was also uh, had a very featured role in the in the movie Promising Young Woman. That's man, that's right. Was that this year? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was the beginning of the year. Um, 
What did you, how, I mean, well, I'm curious, like, did you, I feel like that inside was one where some people thought it was like the greatest special that come along in years. Some people thought it was overrated. Some people thought it was emotionally powerful. What, what, what's your take on it? Well, I'm, you know, I'm still putting together my, my top 10 special list for the year. And right now, like I have three different, three different versions of the best special. Uh, and Bose, Bose, I think is the best overall work of art that was made about comedy this year. I think it, because it spoke, it spoke to our time, not just in the, about the pandemic, but about our relationship to media and also our relationship to comedy. Like it, it managed to be like the Venn diagram and he had Venn di- he even had Venn diagrams <laughs> <laughs> on one of those, on one of those uh, whiteboards, but, uh, but it managed to be like the Venn diagram of everything that's going on. He, he, he was the zeit- like it's the zeitgeist is what he did. And he managed to do it in like the guest house of his girlfriend. Yep. Yep. Um, no, it's but true. I, it's true. But I had, yeah, I had Bo as like the best work of art. Uh, my best stand-up special, joke for joke, I would I would pick Roy Wood Jr.'s Imperfect Messenger from Comedy Central, and my best, just out flat out funny special, I would go with Nate Bargatze's The Greatest Average American from Netflix. Ah, those are all good ones. Those are all good ones. Yeah, I. Uh... I mean, I, I, my, my best special is James A. Caster's uh, Cold Lasagna. You know, yeah. A lot of people love that. I'm going to put an asterisk next to it because he originally released it as a live stream in 2020. Come on. <laughs> that, that doesn't count. It's not a special. The, uh... he, he sold it as a live stream in 20. Like it was, Technically, he put it out there. If you want to, he sold it as a live stream. You could buy, you had to, yeah, you bought tickets to a live stream in 2020 of it. Okay. But if you want to actually see, see something when it's finished after it's done. No, it was, it would, no, it was filmed in 2019. No, I know that. I know that. Right. So it was finished. Okay. The whole whole thing, like both parts of it. The at least the first the main I special. Think, I don't. I think the second part because it's it's nearly three hours long. He he wasn't on stage for three hours in that for, in one performance. There was there's two different parts of it. Right. It was the first part. Yeah. Was a was was sold as a live stream. Okay. So anyhow, but I but I see your point. <laughs> as as many other critics, yes, have given James Acaster high high marks for his cold lasagna. So yeah, that 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 that's my I put that for my best special. Okay. Yeah. What have, and so what about but what about for other comedians just in terms of their overall body of work for 2021? Um well, who do you want to who do you want to shout out for their body of work? For their body of work. I would yes. say uh Hannah Einbinder had a had a great year. Oh, yes. This for is... both uh hacks which was probably my favorite uh, show about a stand about stand up in years, uh, mm-hmm. and um, and for her, I, mean, I don't know. I saw her do stand up. At least she she sort of came to the fore as a stand up, and uh, you know had her first headlining I think tour. She played at Bell House. Mm-hmm. I think she's like a really 
exciting, adventurous new voice um, who I think, you know, is, is, is going places. So, so I, I put her on that list. Okay. Anyone else you want to? Uh, I think it was a good year for uh, uh, Joe Firestone, both from her. I feel like, you know, after the pandemic, people wanted something, um, you know, comforting and, and heartfelt. And uh, I think her, her, her special documentary about teaching uh, senior citizens how to do uh, comedy uh, in this class was, was funny and poignant and um, unexpected. And then at the same time, she also was in uh, Joe Perra's show, new season yes. of Joe show. And, you know, she's sort of, you know, the, the, the perfect foil for him. Like she really manages to fit in his uh, kind of weird cockeyed Americana wholesome world uh, in a way that it's hard to imagine anybody else doing particularly anyone else who's not like an actor uh i mean it's so deep people in new york see her enough that they know this is like a she she's not she's not uh she's playing a character but it's also one that she borrows from her own essence um so i thought it was a good it was a good year for for she for her i actually was was um you know i was this is the end of the year i was impressed by jim gaffigan's special um and he i think we kind of taken for granted sometimes because uh he's so productive and he's a clean comic um, he, he, he even has a joke about that in the new special he, he does he does he and, <laughs> about the underrated america's most underrated comedian well he used to see, he he does have that edge like i remember not he used to i, I remember seeing him live like 10 years ago and he was like grumpy over people ignoring him because of louis and now I see him grumpy because people are paying attention to John Mulaney and not him. You know, it's like it's a, he's aware of who's who's like getting the burn. <laughs> there, there, there's there's a slight Mulaney dig, and they both went to Georgetown, so I think it's playful. It's a playful. Is that right? Okay. It's, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean, uh, I don't know. Did you detect what about I, the year? What about the year Mulaney had? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> We had a hell of a year, although I don't know if that's for a comedy podcast. But the, uh, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a year for for uh, handsome men making jokes about their fraying mental health. Uh, it, but enough is, about Pete Davidson and Kim yes, Kardashian. Exactly. The, uh, and no, I, I saw that was one of the first big shows I saw after you know returning. when things started opening up again. Yeah, in, the, in City Winery. Did you see? Did you see him? I, I have not gotten a chance to see him live on this tour, but he's coming back through again in 2022. So it feels to me like he is next. This upcoming year is going to be the John Mulaney year. Uh, I, I just I, now what that looks like or how how good the special. Who knows? But the uh, I feel like he's going to be the biggest story. That special is going to be the biggest story um, in the way that you know, Bo Burnham's and Chappelle were the biggest story mm-hmm. this year. Um, because what we learned is that, you know, he's not just like a popular comedian. He's a massive, massive celebrity who, you know, huge numbers of people are interested in. Um, I, I I didn't really gather until until he his divorce and get married, because I didn't really understand the, the scale of his celebrity. But the number of texts I got 
from friends who were cons- who were interested and concerned about John Mulaney's love life took me took me aback. It 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 is something to to think about how there was a a brief period where he went to Saturday Night Live to keep Pete Davidson company to make sure Pete was okay, and now they're they've both kind of spiraled upward, outward and upward. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're they're the power. They're the true power couple. They really are. They really well. It's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that Pete Davidson would still be on Saturday Night Live. No. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I have Cecily Strong on my list. Another person who I didn't think would come back, but not only came back, but also like proved that she had more in in the tank to give to SNL with her huge. Uh, abortion reveal what she did on update in a clown suit with makeup and that that was in addition to her leaving over the summer to make Schmegadoon her first starring vehicle on Apple TV plus she came out with her first book over the summer and uh, as we're speaking she is starring in uh, a new off-Broadway version of Lily Tomlin show in search of intelligent life is that already opened that opened on Tuesday, December 21st at the Shed, unless Omicron had other ideas. But I did not hear that that happened. That, that I'm very excited to see. That I'm so so see. she's having quite a year. I also had um, uh, Lil Rel Howry on my list. I know you, I know you gave uh, major props to Bad Trip, the Eric Andre, Lil Rel, Tiffany Haddish uh prank hybrid movie that was funnier than it had any reason to be. (laughs) And I felt like Lil Rel was the glue that held that whole thing together. Like his ability to just be grounded, like I think allowed whoever they were around with, whether it was the zoo or the country bar, it allowed people to believe because Lil Rel believed yeah, whatever was happening. He's a and, good actor. He's like been in. The, I mean, how many movies has he done that for? You know. Well, that's what I was gonna say. That was only one of one, two, three, four, five, six, eight movies he was in this year. That's incredible. He he was a scene stealer in uh, the Academy Award winning Judas and the Black Messiah, where he played. He came in late as a pimp. Uh, he was in uh, the forgettable Tom and Jerry movie. Uh, he was in. Um, one of Kevin Hart's movies, Fatherhood. He was in the the revamp of Space Jam. Oh my God! He was Ryan Reynolds' buddy in Free Guy. This is convincing he, me he shouldn't be the buddy. You're you're, you're you're making a good argument that he should. He's been in all the worst movies. Uh, <laughs> he was in a movie called Vacation Friends, and he's in the new movie National Champions. And he hosted a game show this summer on NBC called Small Fortune. Didn't he also present in uh, on the Oscars? Oh, he was part of that. He was part of the sketch. <laughs> the doing debut. <laughs> yes, that was Lil Rel. Which, so he really, he really did make a huge impact for being yeah. a Lil Rel. He was a big, he was a big impact. Oh, there we go. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I didn't. It is striking the number of things i didn't realize he was in that many things yeah <laughs> but uh you know that that I'm, i don't know if that i mean that's like he's a great utility man i guess but i i do agree with you that in bad trip he played a key role i mean that relationship between him 
like the, the at the at the core you're taking like this a bunch of silly stunts and pranks right that could in other hands uh you know be like a tv show like a, a you know with commercial or but by the relationship he has with Eric Grande m- m- makes it a buddy movie that feels like has as much character development as a lot of other big budget comedy, Hollywood comedies. And um, so, uh, and also with his relationship with, with Tiffany Haddish in that movie is also, you know, quite good. I, yeah. I, I'm still amazed that nobody recognized Tiffany because she's famous. They, it's interesting. How, yeah, they, must have, they must have had to cut any time that people recognized her and just kept the ones. Yeah, they probably did. Um, speaking of uh, famous little people, Kevin Hart uh, still keeps trucking. See, this is why I don't understand your most. Now you're confusing me. Now, why is Kevin Hart one of the most valuable? Why has he done the most good? What's the argument? Okay, so here's some. You, here's you, something. You, you, you get upset at me for saying Rogan and Chappelle. Okay, but now but, you now make case that little I'm, I'm talking about i'm talking about a body of work okay so that, he, that is good you have to make the case I, you barely made the case for for little rel because con- quantity is not quality <laughs> i mean bad trip okay but what is the other things that little rel did that is actually like that oscars thing was is, was terrible <laughs> tom and jerry was terrible the the <laughs> space jam was beneath terrible i mean right <laughs> Am I, you're just, the, is most valuable players who has the most. Okay. Okay. Kevin Hart. Okay. Kevin Hart is, was, uh, responsible as an executive producer for the Dick Gregory documentary that came out this year. Okay. He was also an executive producer on Dave, which people love Dave FX on Hulu. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of the white, the white men rapping, but, but everybody I know loves Dave. Okay. Uh, he, he's ubiquitous on TV ads. You can't, you can't, you can't get away from him on the TV. He had, he had a Peacock talk show as well as a, is two other Peacock shows, one with Snoop Dogg and the Olympics. And then they're bringing them back for New Year's Eve. Uh, and then he had two, he had uh, all sorts of stuff on Sirius XM he's got going on. He starred in two big Netflix movies, True Story and Fatherhood. This is a this is this is an unpersuasive argument. The uh, that's just quantity. Kevin right. Hart, Kevin Hart would win every year. We might as well say Kevin Hart's going to win the next ten years if that is why. Like that that is not even close to the. I didn't say he was my MVP. I just said he 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 work he works he works hard. So did Dave Chappelle. That doesn't mean he's, that doesn't mean you have to make the case that it's good or not. I thought the point you just, you were lecturing me about is that this is about who's, who's doing the most valuable. Okay. That, to do a lot of like mediocre work at best and to have like a, a, a credit as an executive producer on something, that's not quality. Well, that's, that's why, that's why there's two of us on this podcast. <laughs> I got to hold your feet to the fire, Sean. That's why there's a Siskel to my Ebert. <laughs> It's got to, there's got to be some tension here. I think, uh, I think I'm more Roper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely the Ebert, whether I like it or not. I'm definitely the Ebert in this situation. How could you not like it? Ebert's the greatest. Um, 
Uh, okay, what about Phoebe Robinson's year? It was good. It was good. I mean, for her, it was a, it was a, it was a huge year. She had, she had uh, and you know, she I think came into her own as this sort of like empire. You know, yeah. She, she's a. But again, I I don't I consider myself a like someone who's interested in like who contributed the most to comedy okay. in this year, right? And so it was not a great year for comedy, I would say. Right. So, 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 so what, I, do you, what do you, what do you, what do you consider the contribution then? Is so it, is it started a book publishing house, which is probably the most interesting thing. I think it was like really fascinating from a business story that a comedian who, um, you know, does all sorts of things really well, you know, started a publishing house where she's put out all like, you know, has a slate of 15 books right? on top of writing a book. But that to me is not about, that's a different podcast. That's not about comedy to me. So um, what is, what is, what are you, how are you defining the contribution then? I mean, it's to like comedy specials, live shows, like, like the, uh, so to me, that's why like, uh, both well, she also had a special, she had a special on HBO max. She had a talk show on comedy central. She has turned her, her first book into a free form TV series and she got a development deal for Dwayne Perkins on ABC. That's not nothing. No, it's, as I said, it's a quantity of things. Right. She's up there. But so that's, I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was the, is the, it's not the most player. It's the most so, valuable player. Okay. So, so, it, so are like, you really, going back? So are you going back to then like, is Bo Burnham the, the only. People who I thought were, had a huge impact were, who I thought did great work were, were, I mentioned Jane mm-hmm. Baycaster, Bo Burnham, Hannah Eibinder. You know, I think you can, you know, you can make the case for Lil Rel, I guess, but uh, Joe Firestone. I would say, if anything, Z-Way has got, a, uh, uh, you know, in terms of reinventing the talk show. And I don't, like, personally, I don't, you know, we're in an age of multitasking. Right. So every comedian has a million different projects, right? And so it really isn't actually, I mean, yes, Phoebe Robinson is exceptional in this. She is in the, in the quantity and scale of them. But so many comedians have like a million things they're juggling, podcasts, documentaries, you know, look at someone like Sam Morell. I mean, the who who works harder than that guy in terms of just making comedy, making news specials, making documentaries? Um, Andrew Schultz. Andrew Schultz. Yeah, again, it's like, it's like if you're, uh, I mean, if you want to talk, if it's just quantity, then you should put Joe Rogan on the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, he puts out three hours uh, podcast twice a week. I mean, the uh, that's a different question. I, I think um, I think Z-Way did something. You know, she was one of the people who you were talking about, who in 2020 was a star on, you know, Faceful on, on like Instagram, right? And I think she, as well as anybody. Um, if not better, leverage that into creating this kind of interesting new kind of talk show. Um, and so I think that she's a really exciting new voice in kind of mainstream comedy. Um, you know, you know, in interestingly, I would say like it was earlier in the year, but that Scorsese Fran Lebowitz um, hmm. thing, which is again, like she doesn't have a million things and she's a known quantity, but she sort of had fallen off the radar of, a lot of people. I think she. I think for her, this was like the most mainstream thing. And at the beginning of the year, 
she dominated conversation. And some people, some people actually didn't like it. She, they, 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 she got some negative views, but I actually think she's tremendously skilled in, at what she does and is ultimately comedy. Um, and um, so I think it was a good year for, for her. Um, uh, Where would you put someone like uh, Issa Rae then? Well, she did. I mean, you know, I don't really, uh, I'm not like as versed in TV and I mean, clearly she's important, but I, I, didn't, I haven't watched like as much. Uh, because she had her show, but she was also responsible for a black lady sketch show coming back for season two. And then she had multiple other shows in development that came out in different, different venues. Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't be on my list. Like okay. Black Lady Sketch Show, it would like that's something which I think is like you know one of the better things, best goes out there. But no, for me that would not be on the comedy most valuable list. So so neither neither then would uh, Jason Sudeikis and the Ted Lasso phenomenon. I mean, it's a, not to say it's a, I I'm I'm pretty ignorant about it, so you should probably get somebody else to talk about it. Like I don't <laughs> I don't even have you know I haven't even seen Ted Lasso. Like the uh, do you think is that would that be on your list? No. No, because that's just that's just one thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what, what else would you? I mean, it's it's harder this year to find it. It's true. There's not. I mean, like I like Nicole Byer's new special. That's the, the uh, uh, you know, I think. Um, but you know, there, because of the weird schedule, there was less big right. impact. I mean, I gave you know, I gave big props to Amber Ruffin for what she's been able to do, not just not just writing and performing on Seth Meyers, but then also anchoring her own weekly show on Peacock, which is a great show, which is also developing a, a larger stable of, of talent and in, in writers and performers coming up through her show. Um, yeah. You've been, you've written a lot about her. You, uh, you, you're uh, I, that, that uh, has convinced me to, to watch her stuff. And uh, it is really, she's really good. You know, we talked last year about, about those, those uh, front facing comedians and how, we were amazed that they didn't uh, move up the ranks, but you know, you just mentioned Z-Way and then James Austin Johnson had perhaps the best uh, rookie debut on Saturday Night Live since Dana Carvey. And he came, wow. he came, he came off of the best rookie debut since Dana Carvey. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah. In terms of getting his stuff on the air and being like right. a face of the show right from the very beginning, like he was the first, he was the first person you saw this season, right, right, which is right. which is a lot to put on on someone who's never been on live network television before. No, it's true. He did, he had a fast start for sure, and I feel like he. Uh, I feel like to the reason I wouldn't put him there is because I think he benefited from the fact that Alec Baldwin was the face of of Donald Trump for so long and that's that's such a low bar uh and to, to a lot of degree people were like oh wow this guy actually has an interesting take on trump um unfortunately it's after trump's out of office it would have been nice if, if he was there for the previous uh years but let's I think not it- let's not let's not try to wish things back into the <laughs> let's, well, let's be careful what we what we wish for it is true there's a lot of power here i that my my voice in here i could have the uh but well i'm sure i'm some in the back of his head i'm sure lauren is thinking that that i mean look one way or the other trump is going to be more in the news in 2022 and the um and so they needed some they needed someone I mean, they'll benefit 
from someone better than Alec Baldwin for sure. Is there is there anything you're genuinely looking forward to in 2022 in terms of comedy? Um, there's a lot. There's a bunch of things. I've, uh, you know, um, Taylor Tomlinson's uh, new special. I'm really looking forward to. I, I mean, she had really. Uh, uh, a really promising first special that I just watched again to kind of remember because I, I didn't end up writing much about it, but uh, she, you know, I think she's got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the joke telling skill to produce something that is really great. And, and I think the, the time, I, you know, the, I think the time away in the pandemic could, could have been helpful. Um, Ronnie Chang, who, uh, I saw, I've seen his some 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 uh, uh, of his, of his stuff from his upcoming special, which is really good. And his previous uh, special was great too. Yeah, both both special. him and Taylor Tomlinson had had great debut specials. And yeah, although he's interesting because I remember watching him and being like, "Oh wow, this guy is is like he's so polished and accomplished in his voice." And I guess he has like a bunch of specials that from was- when he was in Australia. Right? Correct. So he's like he's like like many specials. Like he's been he's a very productive guy. But it's the first, it, was, it was the debut for Netflix or for for right. us to see. Um, but uh, it made more sense to me because he really is like a, a pro. Uh, um, so that that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to. What about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to those. I know uh, Nikki Glaser filmed something for HBO. Um, HBO also in January, I think, is the. Um, the show that uh, stars Bridget Everett will be interesting to see how how she does in giving a given a leading leading role. She's always, you know, she's always put on a uh, firecracker of a show at Joe's Pub or comedy yeah. festivals across the country. So, for sure, that will be interesting. I love Bridget Everett, um, but I'm also interested because, like, part of what makes those show so exciting is the liveness of it like the uh so it will be interesting to see how it translates to uh to a show i guess more generally i'm also looking forward to see what comedians actually want to talk about because we we managed to go this whole podcast without saying the two magic words that seem to be on everybody's on every comedian's lips over the past year so i think i think that means we're we're moving forward and and able to talk about anything <laughs> without the societal pressures of <laughs> not renewing people <laughs> that was, yeah maybe that's been played out maybe that's maybe maybe that's been a little played out i i like to think that yeah i mean you know louis ck just came out with with another special and everybody was quick to twitter to say that well i guess that isn't real if if these guys are getting new specials and getting Grammy nominations for them. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about before, the whole discussion is tedious. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think that point is silly too. Like it's silly. The idea that like, it's not like Louis CK did not have some repercussions for his bad behavior. He obviously did. Now you could argue over the level of the repercussions. Um, Or if, you know, but that, the um, you know, there's a there's like a the the problem with the dis- discussion is there's just like an inability to have like a good faith, right? Like willing to be like, all right, the other side isn't inventing something. Like the people who are saying, um, 
you know, cancel culture. And all this oh, stuff. you said it. I'm saying it. It's, 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 over, it's overrated. Or have a point because you said the magic word of the podcast. It's true. The I did the, uh, but it's also it's also I feel like you could you could you could protest too much. Right. And if you're if you're making the case that um, you know that social media doesn't allow people to organize quicker and faster than um, about things like you know, um, you know, Chris Noth being a sexual predator. Um, that's wrong. Like clearly something's changed. Uh, right. uh, or, you know, on a smaller scale, a comedian making a joke that offends people, uh, it's much easier. So th- there, there is something there that, that it, it didn't, it didn't, it's not completely imagined. Um, and, uh, but it just operates in a much more complicated way than people allow. So Louis clearly, uh, his career, you know, any fair person has to admit that his career took a hit. Um, he lost some audiences. Um, there's some, there's some tarnish. There's some tarnish for sure. And he's, there's not only did he lose some audiences, he'll never get them back. Right. But he also gained some audiences. Right. He still has um, plenty of people who want to pay money to see him and pay money to download his special. And what I see is that, I mean, is that there, some of those people are new people. Like the, right. the people who, the, the, the reason you can't not say you make cancel culture is because uh, it's an important, has an important impact. Now it's its own market. Exactly. It's a business story. It's like, <laughs> all right, it's a, for certain younger comics, they see, they're like, oh, we can develop a, a, a market by being against cancel culture. So, I mean, and that has an impact on like, all right, does that shape the kind of comedy you know, right. Uh, it's like Hillary, Hillary Clinton called Trump supporters deplorable. And then they started making t-shirts. Yep. yep so, yep. I mean, there's an interesting, I mean, like I happen to think that, and I think I'm, I don't think I'm, I don't think this is a popular view, but I don't think that the last two Louis CK specials post scandal are dramatically different than his previous work um but if you look on twitter you wouldn't necessarily get that impression i don't think like i saw someone was i looked up i and i was like someone was like they they took one of his jokes out of context and they say now he sounds just like stephen crowther who if your listeners don't know is like a right-wing you know sense like a right-wing talk show host right on youtube and i just don't i don't i don't hear that i hear very similar interest and stuff no yeah his his new hour sorry is uh yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty classic Louis C.K. premises. Yep, yep. So if you like Louis C.K. style humor, I think you'll like this. You'll like this thing. And I that's don't, what I that's what I said in my review. I'm like, <laughs> if you liked his comedy and, before, this is this is right up your alley. And let's be honest, before the scandal, a massive number of people liked Louis C.K. style comedy, right? And um, the um uh but you know this is a different time in terms of his his career and uh but i i think it is notable that he i don't think he's trying to play into the culture war discussion i think he's trying to do what he always did but the context has shifted yeah well jason i think i think we've 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 wrapped a bow on 2021 
We've, we've covered a lot of ground. I, I hope you are you are you uh, you're, you're you're feeling healthy and, and not an Omicron list, Sean. I'm still undefeated. Do you do you go to shows? How how many shows did you go to? As many shows this like this year? Did you have? Uh, or did you? No, I I mostly watch watch here on the computer. Is that true? You didn't you didn't go to any any live shows in 2021? I went to I I went to a couple, but. And we uh, next year? Do you, do you plan on ch- uh, changing that, or, or is it the same thing? I'd like to think next year will be different, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought this year would be different, right? Right. But even so. in, like even in, like like I found like to me that's the real story of this year. I, I feel like there was a moment in the summer before Delta that was one of the best months of comedy. I've had in New York where it seemed like, oh, we were coming out of this thing. You know, people were back. They were thrilled. They were excited to be among other in communities of people again. That was July, I think. Yeah. I saw, I saw Phoebe Robinson. I saw Ali Wong. People were laughing. I saw John Mulaney. People were laughing at everything. It was really thrilling. And I really felt optimistic about comedy. And, um, and then Delta came and that vanished and then there was like a new anxiety and then that started to dissipate and I came back, but I was, you know, a little, I probably went to fewer shows, but, and, and I was definitely much more cautious. And, uh, but then this new thing came and then, so it's, it's tricky. Cause I mean, comedy depends on anxiety, but there's a, and, and tension and release. <laughs> there's a lot of it in the room now. Right. So 2022 can only be great. <laughs> I, I, I like yes let's just say yes this episode of the comics comic presents last things first was post-produced by alex brazell at showbiz studios the music was by camille harris and shockwave logo by giggle chick if you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean L. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Bye.